Thanks for joining us here at New Song Church, where we're helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you have any questions at all, or just want to learn more about us as a church, you can go to mynsc.org happenings. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout the week. And now, check out this week's sermon. Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? I, I told you last week we're, we're going to start a mini-series last week called Born Again. This is the, the finality of that series because next Sunday is Vision Sunday. And, and today is focusing on how to live a born-again life. How to live a, a born-again life. So we knew, that, we knew that a lot of people would be coming into the kingdom of God, the family of God, last week. And we really felt it was important to follow that up with um, how to live the born-again life, which we told you last week exactly what was going to be talked about today. I, I want you to put yourself in my shoes just for a moment. And I'll say it this way, <clears throat> that here, every, every given, any given Sunday, we have people that really have no relationship with Christ, those who have just come into a relationship with Christ, those who have been in a relationship with Christ for a little while, and those who have been in a relationship with Christ for a long while. Now, I want you to put yourself in my shoes and, and think about this. How do you communicate the truth of God's word to those who are very mature in the faith, those who are, are, who are uh, you know, have been Christians for a little while, those who have been Christians, just baby Christians, and those who aren't even Christians as of, of yet. They haven't accepted Christ. And that's a, a huge, it's, it's like teaching, think about it like this. If you were a teacher in high school, it's like teaching the seniors and the kindergartners at the same time. Have you ever thought about that? And, and so what we try to do here at New Song is we try to feed you no matter where you are in your journey with Christ. And so if you're sitting here today saying, well, listen, I already know how to live the born-again life, I promise you, you're still going to be challenged. You're still going to learn. You're still going to grow. But for those of you, this is specifically for those of you who are just new in the faith, you've just trusted in Christ, or you're just, you know, you've been maybe a Christian for a year, maybe two years. I'm, I'm telling you, you're going to eat up today, and you're going to eat up well. I mean, I'm going to feed you today. You're, you're going to be full by the time you leave here today. And it all starts with this one verse that we started last week, and we're going to start it again this week with John chapter 3, starting in verse 3. It says this, very truly, Jesus says this, very truly, I tell you, no one, no one, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Born again, meaning you have been made new. So we're going we're gonna to break that down today, how to live the born again life, how to live the born again life. Okay, so the first one is that if you want to be a born-again follower of Christ, or this is what born-again followers of Christ do, they trust wholeheartedly in Jesus alone for salvation. That's what they do. They trust it wholeheartedly in Jesus alone for salvation. They don't add anything to it. They don't start focusing on their goodness or their deeds. They know that they are saved by grace through faith. In fact, last week we said it this way that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That anything that you try to add to that is not going to work because your, your very best day is like filthy rags to God. The Bible says that your righteousness is like filthy rags to God, meaning your goodness could never compare to God's standard. It could never compare to God's standard. But Jesus met the standard and he bore the sins of the world upon himself. He paid the penalty for your sins and my sins upon the cross. He paid the debt that you and I were supposed to pay. And it was the penalty of sin, which is death. 
So Jesus died so that you and I wouldn't have to. And so we trust in the work of Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. And it's our way of being born again. It's, it's our way of coming to Jesus and say, I'm, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I'm trusting wholeheartedly in you for salvation. I do not trust in me. I only trust in you. I only trust in you. And if you're trusting in yourself for salvation, if you're trusting in your good outweighing your bad, can I tell you, that's a false gospel, meaning that's no gospel at all. That's no good news at all. The good news is we are saved by grace through faith. So born-again followers of Christ trust wholeheartedly in Jesus alone for salvation. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So you cannot boast. Like when you get to heaven, it, like people are not going to give you glory in heaven. They're, I'm telling you, all glory will go to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He gets all of the glory, not you. Like when we get to heaven, all eyes on Jesus, all eyes on his goodness, all eyes on his Perfection, And it is a gift from God, our salvation. So we trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Okay, born-again followers of Christ, number two, experience new life and new desires. Now, this is a little review from last Sunday that, that I said it this way, that God changes. When you become born again, God, God changes your want to. All of a sudden, you want to live for him. You want to be obedient to him. You want to, to, to turn away from your sins. You've repented of your sins. You've had a change of mind concerning your sins. You realize that they've separated you from God, and so you're focusing on God and trusting in him alone for help, not only for salvation, but for help to live the way that he wants you to live. Again, all eyes on Jesus. Okay, so God has given you new desires. Your want to has changed. All of a sudden, the things that you used to just give into and, in fact, look forward to, the things of the flesh, of the sinful nature, the things that you know you weren't supposed to be doing, but you did it anyway, that all of a sudden your want to changes. You don't want to do those things anymore because you've repented of those things. You've realized those things separated you from God. So you don't want to do those things anymore. Now you just want to please your heavenly father. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here, that you've been made new. You've been made new, and your desires, because of that newness, your desires have changed. What used to be okay is now, if it's sinful, not okay. And, and then the Holy Spirit will teach you, no, don't do that. No, don't say that. No, don't think that. No, don't go there. And you have a choice to make. Are you going to surrender to God daily? Or are you going to go back? Well, fully devoted followers of Christ, born-again followers of Christ, their desires have changed, and they say to themselves, no, no going back. I, I know life without Christ. I'm not going to go back to that. In fact, my desires have changed. This is how Psalm, the book of Psalms says it. The psalmist says in, in, in Psalm 73, verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth, 
and earth has nothing I desire besides you. Earth has nothing that I desire besides you. Like all of a sudden, my want to has changed. Jesus, I just want you more. I want to know you more. I want to know you better. I, I, I want to experience more freedom in my life. I, I, I want to be the person that you've called me to be. See, your desires have changed. All of a sudden, you're willing to lay down the things that you were really pursuing because you realize, no, the, those things are not the things that I desire anymore. I just desire him. Like, give me Jesus and I'll be happy. Give me Jesus and I'll be content. I don't need all the things that this world has to offer to be content. I have Christ. I say this way, that if Christ does nothing else for me, he still deserves all of my glory and all of the glory and all of my surrender. He deserves it all. If he never does anything else for me in my life, Christ has done enough. He has secured my eternity because of his death and resurrection. My eternity is secure. If he does nothing else for me, he deserves my surrender. He deserves my all. He deserves the glory. He deserves my everything. So I desire him. There's nothing on this earth that I desire like I desire Jesus. So, and I've taught you this, that my house, it's just a house. My, my car, just a car, just a truck. It's awesome. His name is Poncho. He's cool. But can I tell you, at the end of the day, he's just a truck, right? He's just a truck. I say he because it's a boy, everybody. It's a boy. We can celebrate that. But you know what I'm talking about, that your want-to changes. Your want-to changes. If God says, hey, give this, I, oh, okay, I'll give that. I'll do that. I'll go there. I'll, I'll surrender that. Why? My want-to has changed. I, I've been made new. I've experienced new life, and now I have new desires, I hunger and I thirst for God. By the way, the Bible says, if you hunger and you thirst for him, you'll be filled. If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, for right living, for right relationship with God, you'll be filled. Like he'll take care of that. So you'll, you'll notice that you used to hunger for the things of the world. And all of a sudden, you'll, you'll start hungering for the things of God. Can I tell you that hunger only deepens and gets more and more and more as you grow in Christ and continue to grow in Christ. It just, get, it just gets, can I tell you, it gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. How many remember that song from a long time ago? All of you old people say amen. I was just seeing who's, who would confess their age here in this, this moment. Okay, okay, born-again followers of Christ. Number three, choose a life of complete devotion to Christ. I want you to circle the word complete. That born-again followers of Christ choose a life of complete devotion to Christ to Jesus, complete devotion to Jesus. And what you'll find in, in your life when you completely devote yourself to the Lord, in fact, it's our mission here at New Song, right? You know the vision of our church is to spread the gospel of grace, helping people become passionately devoted followers of Christ. Not just devoted, passionately devoted followers of Christ. Like we are going next level. No lukewarmness here. No mediocrity here. No, we are passionately devoted to Christ. Here in New Song. And I hope in your life that you have complete devotion to Christ. And what you'll see are areas in your life that have, that, that have just been non-existent. They've just been dead in your life. All of a sudden, there are some things in your life that are going to start changing. 
And I'm going to talk to you this morning a little bit about environment. If I show you, in fact, I'm going to show you a picture of Death Valley today. Okay, let's look at this picture of Death Valley. You, and that is, that's actual Death Valley right there. And that's exactly what you picture it to be like, right? Dry, barren, nothing growing there. Because of the, the environment that it is in, it is just geologically located in, 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 in such a place that life is difficult for it to grow. Life is it's difficult for life to grow there. Like, it's just difficult because of the heat, because of the elevation, because of the way that the mountains surround Death Valley. It just gets very little rain, very little. Um, it, the environment isn't right for growth. But now I want to show you something. This is another picture of Death Valley when the environment is right. Now, this is called in Death Valley, this is Death Valley, it's called a super bloom. It happens about once every 10 years. That something happens um, environmentally that changes. So, so all of a sudden, something breaks in the environment. And in Death Valley, you realize when it gets the, minor, the right amount of rain, the right amount of sunshine, that it wasn't dead after all. It was just dormant. That, that, that those seeds have been there the whole time. It just needed the right environment in which to grow. Oh, okay, so can I tell you something? That God had called you before your birth into a purpose. He called you to a certain direction, but you need to place yourself in the right environment in which to grow. That there have been things placed in your life that God placed in your life, a purpose in your life. Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. You were made on purpose for a purpose. And the truth of the matter is, if you want that to grow, you have to place yourself in the right environment. And complete devotion to Christ will put you in the right environments for growth. Let me say it this way. One of the first environments you need to find yourself in is the environment of prayer. Write that down. It's a little bullet point there, just right at the top. Prayer. That prayer actually is, is not just something that you do. It's an, actually an environment. It's, it's an environment in your life that's going to cause you to grow. So born-again followers of Christ learn not only that they need to pray, but how to pray. Okay, let me... And then the benefits of prayer in your life are amazing. The Bible says this, uh, one of the verses I want to bring up to you today is James chapter 4, verse 8, a very familiar verse that says, when we draw near to God, God draws near to us. That when we draw near to God, God draws near to us, but, but, to us, but it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, but there's a couple of other things that, that are included in prayer, and he says it this way, these mandates that you need to wash your hands and purify your hearts. That's the same verse. As draw near to God, he will draw near to you. And a lot of people just stop that verse right there. Oh, I'm drawn near to God. He's drawn near to me. Yeah. But not only that, that prayer actually produces purity. Prayer produces purity because in your prayer, in your prayer time, you'll find yourself being washed, being purified by the Holy Spirit and the presence of God 
in your life. And so what I try to teach people to do, in fact, everybody, we give out these little booklets here at least a couple times a year. We make sure that everybody has one called Pray First. And in it, it teaches you how to pray. And if you don't have one, just ask us and we'll make sure that we give, get one to you. If we can't find it, if they don't have them today out in guest services, we'll just, we'll, I'm serious about this, we'll take one to your house if we have to. We'll put your name on it and have it ready here next week because in it provides some prayer models that actually teaches you how to pray. So, so it, prayer purifies you. It purifies, for instance, the disciples go up to Jesus at one point and say, Jesus, could you teach us how to pray? And he says, when you pray, you should pray like this. And he, he says these words that is not just a prayer, but it's actually a model of prayer. One of the first, th in fact, the first thing he says when he's teaching his disciples how to pray, he says, you need to start by saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What he's saying is, get your eyes off of yourself. All praise, all glory needs to go to God. So in my prayer time, I, I, I follow prayer models all the time, all the time. In fact, every time that I go to the Lord in prayer, it's for my regular prayer time, how many knows that sometimes we can buy, there, there are emergency prayers. Like, oh God, I need you right now. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? Okay, okay. But, but I'm talking about in your secret place, in your daily pray, place of prayer, that when I come and meet with the Lord, one of the first things that I do is I start praising the Lord. I say in my own way, hallowed be your name. Father, may your name be blessed. I want you to be lifted up in my life. I want you to be lifted up in this church and my family. I want you to be exalted in all things at all times because you deserve the glory. You deserve the praise. And what it's teaching me, what prayer is teaching me in that moment is that the best thing in my life is Jesus. That the best thing in my life is not Justin. The best thing in my life is him. And it takes the focus off of me. And it places us on the one who can change me. And I find myself surrendering to him more and more as I give him priority, as I place him first. So I praise him first. Why? Because he deserves first place. You, you see that? And, and what happens is it actually purifies me. I love this too. Not only that, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, this is God speaking. He says, call to me and I will answer you and I'll tell you great and unsearchable things that you don't know. Have you ever had these moments where you're, you're, you're thinking about something, you got a dilemma, you have something happening, you're like, well, I don't know. I don't, can I tell you something? God knows, but you need to go to him. You need to call out to him. And the Bible very clearly says when you call upon him, he'll teach you things. He'll show you things that you don't know. Well, how does he do that? He'll just speak them into your heart. A lot of times what I found is he just places things in my heart, in my mind. He'll give me thoughts out of nowhere, and I'll think that uh, that didn't come from Justin. Like Justin wouldn't have thought that thought. One time the, the Lord... Uh, well, the Lord, I won't, I won't say exactly what happens. I don't mean this to be braggadocious. But the Lord just said, I want you to do this. And it was a thought that I knew I wouldn't think on my own. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like that wouldn't be a Justin thought. That would have to be a God thought, you know. And yet he'll talk to you. He'll speak to you. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. I'll get to more of that later. You got to put yourself in the environment of prayer. 
And not, not only prayer as individuals, you, every day, you need to spend time with the Lord every day in prayer, every day, every day. But you also need to pray with other people. That's why we have prayer times available every Sunday morning. Why? Because we want to give you the opportunity to pray with somebody. Because the Bible says, yeah, you have to pray on your own, daily, secret place. But there are also times where the Bible says we gather with other believers praying the prayer of faith, and God answers. Where two or three or more agree upon one thing, the Bible says it will do. There's power in, in unity. There's power not in just the one, but there's power in unity where more than one come together in mind and in prayer. So you, you need to put yourself in an, in an environment of prayer. The promises is the next one, promises. The promises of God obviously are found in the word of God. You need to discover the promises of God. You need to learn the word of God. I'm, I'm talking about an environment here. You need to place yourself in the environment of the word. For everything, Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. The word of God provides hope for your life. It provides promises for your life. How can you lay hold of the promises of God for your life if you don't know the promises of God? How can you claim the promises of God and, and declare the promises of God if you don't know the promises of God? So you've got to know, you've got to put yourself in the environment of the word of the Lord, not only personally, but corporately. Okay, Proverbs 4, 6 says, don't forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Every word in the Bible is wisdom. Why? Because God is wisdom. God is wisdom. This is the word of God. I have no wisdom in my life outside of the word of God being in my life. Every word that I've ever declared that was wise came directly from the word of God. It did not come from Justin. Justin has no wisdom except the wisdom that comes from God. I'm just telling you how it works. So if you were to come into my office and say, a lot of people come in and say, we have a question for you, but we already know what you're going to say. And I say, well, why do you know that? Because we know what the Bible says. And part of me wants to say, well, why aren't you just obeying the Bible? Why did you need to come to me? How many know what I'm talking about, everybody? Like, what? Because you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything in opposition to the Bible. I'm just gonna tell you what the Bible says. And sometimes I get it. People just we know what the Bible says. Now just tell us how. Tell us how to. Okay, I, I will help you do that. But can I tell you something? The Bible, the Word of God, will watch over you. It it will protect you when you surrender to it. When your life is, the, is an environment of the word of God, that everything that you do and say and live is based upon the word of God, it will provide protection for you. It will, it will provide blessings for you. You just have to surrender to it. But how do you surrender to it if you don't know it? You need to put yourself in the environment of the word of God. Here's the next one. You need, it's praises. You need, to, you need to have an environment of praise in your life. An environment of praise. I, I'm going to show you this in, in Scripture. That there, the, the Bible says, the psalmist said it this way, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be glory. Right? Not to us, but to your name be glory. I love what it says in Psalm 34, 3. Glorify the Lord 
with me. Let us exalt his name together. Now, we've already said that in your secret time in prayer, you need to start with our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You need to start with, with praise to God, right, as part of your prayer time. But you also need corporate prayer. Let us exalt his name, how? Together, that we do it together. Psalm 95, 6, come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker, that there are times that we pray, we pray and we praise every single day of our life, but also we pray and we praise with others. The Bible says the first day of the week, the church, in the book of Acts, the church gathered the first week, first day of the week, and they praised the Lord, and they prayed, and they studied the word of God. That wasn't my design. It's not your design. It's God's design. It's God's Designed that you put yourself in an environment of praise and promises and prayer. You put yourself in the environment. Well, Pastor Justin, um, <clears throat> you're just trying to get me to come to church every week. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. If I looked at you, I'm sorry. I don't know who I was looking at. If you're feeling guilty, I'm sorry. You're just trying to get me here every week. Exactly. Why? Because you need it, because it's God's design, because you have to put yourself in the environment of prayer and promises and praise, and all of a sudden, those things that were dormant in your life, you'll find out that they are coming to life in you, that all of a sudden, beauty will start happening in your life, that God gives us beauty for ashes, right? that he'll start developing these things in you. That's your next step. That's how born-again believers live. Sunday morning gatherings should not be optional in your life. It should just be, hey, come hell or high water, we're going to church. Why? Because I'm going to place myself in an environment in which God is going to show up. Can I tell you something? Even if my children, it, no, no, let me, let me say it this way. Even if I wasn't a pastor, I would still have my family, me and my wife, and my children in church every single time the doors were open. Why? Because I want to place all of us in an environment in which we will be changed. That's why, that's why for all of my children... We've, we've taken them on mission trips since they were old enough to go, hey, you're going to go on a mission trip. Now you're going to go on another. Why? Because I'm putting them in an environment in which to grow. That's what I'm doing. The, the fact that, and, I, and again, this is very personal. I know that. You know, my two oldest boys are already in Bible college. Both of them are called into ministry. Grace just got a full-ride scholarship, everybody, to Highlands College. Isn't that great? She's going to Bible college as well. Um, uh, and we'll get her degree. We only have to pay out $2,500 per year for her to get her bachelor's degree. Isn't that amazing? God is so good. So she's going to Bible college too. That is not coincidence. That is placing, Jennifer and I had a design in mind, and it came from God. We're going to place our children in environments in which they can grow. And that environment is going to be in our house. We're going to truly live out what we believe. I'm the same person behind the scenes as I am in, in, in front of you. You can ask anybody who knows me. I'm the same person at my house as I am here in the office. I'm the same person. 
You can ask my children. They know me better than anybody. I'm the same person there as I am here. I place, I place my, I think of environment in my home that, we're, that our lives are gonna be built in the word of God. That this church is gonna be built in the word of God. I place my family in the environment of God's presence. I place my children on missions trips to, so that they can be in an environment in which they see things that most people don't get to see. What God is doing around the world. And actually, every time, they always come back so grateful for what they have here in these United States. It teaches them gratefulness, too. It's not coincidence, everybody. And, and, and you say, well, you pressured your, your children to go into ministry. Actually, the opposite. If anything, I, we just always told them, whatever you do, just do it for the glory of God. And so my oldest son, Isaac, we thought forever, we thought for years that he was going to be an accountant or a financial manager. And we just told him, son, that is wonderful. Great idea. You should do that. Like, start getting plugged in with some people. We have some people like that here in the church. Start learning from them and see if that's really what God has called you to do. And just do that for the glory of God. Like, the Bible says, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. I know that not everybody's called to be a pastor. I didn't even think my children were. I, I didn't know. I just said, do it for the glory of God. Well, he came up to me and said, boy, I'm thinking about ministry, though, and you know, I don't know what to do. I said, well, let's pray about it. We prayed about it for weeks. And I said, son, where, you know, where are you at? Man, I don't know. I, I just feel like I've called to ministry, but I, I know that, you know, I enjoy these things and, and maybe I can do these things for the ministry. And, and, and I, said, well, I said, well, son, if, if you're thinking ministry versus CPA, you know, versus financial management, like, is it like 50-50? Like, or maybe 55-45? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. He said, it's more like, 80 or 90% for ministry. I'm like, oh, well, that's a pretty good sign, son, that the, that the decision has already been made. You know, to which at that point he was just so relieved. And I said, by the way, you can do both, right? Just whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. We just put our children in the environment in, in which they need it. Everybody, we need, to, we, need to rely, we need to rely on God and we do it through prayer and his promises and praise. We put ourselves in those environments so that we can grow. So I promise you, God has a purpose for your life. And it's to glorify him in all things at all times. Born again followers of Christ depend upon God for direction, number four. Depend upon God for direction. And I won't hover here too long, but Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He'll make your path straight. Psalm 16, 2, and then verse 11 says, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Like every good thing comes down from you, Father. Thank you for that. That's a great way to start your time of prayer. Did you know that? Father, every blessing I have in my life has come from you. Thank you for that. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right and that, that God, let me say it this way, that God loves to reveal his path to you. That he, that another way of reading Proverbs chapter three is saying that he doesn't make, he, he makes your path straight. Another way of saying that is he makes your path obvious. He makes it obvious. That there's this path in life that God has called you to. And by the way, on this pathway of life, there are boundaries. There are boundaries. And the Bible makes it very clear that we are not to stray to the left or to the right, but we are to stay on the path that God has designed for us. 
And he's making it obvious. How does he make it obvious? Through his word and through his spirit. Through his word and through his spirit. He'll make the path obvious. And he will reveal the boundaries. And the boundaries aren't to keep you under his thumb. The boundaries are so that you can flourish on the path of life. See, it's like a guardrail, everybody. Have you ever been driving? You go around a curve, and there's a cliff on the other side. What do they always have there? They have a guardrail, and it is to keep you from harm. And the boundaries that God will place in your life is to keep you from harm. It's not to to keep you under his finger. It's to help you thrive, to really live the life that he's called you to live, the abundant life. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you concerning the pathway and concerning the boundaries. And our job, and this is what born-again followers of Christ do, number five, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. We cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to show you this in in Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says, But by the grace of God, this is the Apostle Paul writing, But by the grace of God I am what I am, And his grace to me was not without effect. Like, because I've experienced the grace of God, it has changed me. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So he's saying, I'm I'm doing the work, but the Spirit of God, the grace of God, is empowering me to do the work. So if you were to say, well, Pastor Justin, do, do, do I work to be holy Or does God work his holiness in me? Yes, you're exactly right. It's both, simultaneously. That God, in fact, let me show you, let me show you this in Philippians chapter two, verse 12 and 13. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's stop right there for a second. Continue to work out your your salvation with fear and trembling. trembling. A lot of people take their salvation far too casually. We are never, you are never meant to take your salvation casually. The Bible says, in fact, the opposite. Work it out with fear and trembling. Like your salvation is serious business. Now make no mistake about it. You have been saved by grace through faith, not of works. Don't mistake what I'm saying here. He's saying never take your salvation casually. In fact, he goes on to say, he clarifies this, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order order to fulfill his good purpose. So work out your salvation with fearing, trembling, knowing that God is working in you and he's putting desires in you so that you will fulfill, let me say it a different way, so that you will walk the path that he's calling you to. He's putting that purpose inside of you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And he just wants you to do that. So, you know, the, the, the old Justin uh, was a, a person who struggled with legalism and, and to, to the, well, to an extreme degree. I was very legalistic. Not that my parents taught me that. I just grew into that. And I don't know how, but thank the Lord that that was broken in my life. And I was always thinking obedience, obedience, obedience. 
And then, then if you're not careful, obedience will turn into, well, okay, because I obey, that's, that's why I'm saved. No, that's works. I'm not saved by my works. I'm saved by the work of Jesus, right? So I like to change this terminology and I, I've done it inside of me, now I'm gonna teach you how to do it too. That I don't think in terms of obedience, I think in terms of cooperation. Let me say it this way, if you cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you'll always be obedient. You'll always be obedient. But maybe that's just my own, uh, you know, me coming out of a life of legalism, maybe that that's just better terminology for me. What I'm telling you, definitely obey God. Don't, I'm not saying don't obey God. I'm saying maybe the better terminology for, for some of you in the room would be, I just need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because it's not as if I don't hear him speaking to me. Well, well, pastor, how do I know if he's speaking to me? You'll know. Because he'll say things like, don't do that. Don't, don't think that. Don't go there. But you'll also hear, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't you do that? Why don't you pray this? It's not just about the no's. It's also about the yeses. And I need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When he says no, then the answer is no. When he says go, then the answer is go. It's not all about the no's. It's also about the yeses. And that God is working that in you. Why? To show you the, the straight path. Because you're on a journey with Christ, and you won't always get it right, by the way. To that point, we, we say, sorry, God, I didn't cooperate with you very well. In fact, my wife and I, I might have said this already, my wife and I, just a few weeks ago, uh, my wife came to me, she said, you know what, I really missed it. I really felt like God told me to do this, and I didn't do it. And I said, you know, so interesting, God told me the same thing, and I didn't do it either. And we both just prayed together, Lord, forgive us. We didn't cooperate with you very well. We're sorry. But how many know that God, God is not limited by your mistakes? So we said, God, obviously we missed the boat on that one. We're sorry about that. But I pray that you just send somebody else to do what we were not faithful in, to do on our own. And, and knowing that God is not limited by our mistakes, that he's bigger. He, God is bigger than your mistakes, new song. He's bigger than your mistakes. Okay, Galatians 5, verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Meaning, meaning that the temptations to go back to your old life will certainly come. But you'll hear, this, you'll hear the Holy Spirit saying, that's not who you are. That's not how you're supposed to live. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not what you're supposed to say. That's not how you're supposed to handle that. That's not where you're supposed to go. And your job is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and say, you're right, Holy Spirit, I've been made new. That's the old Justin. That's not the new Justin. I've been made new, and I'm going to cooperate with you. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go in a different direction. I'm not going to go to what I used to do. In fact, let's read on in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Don't worry, we'll come back to that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. 
Since we live by the Spirit, since we have been born again, let us cooperate with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here's the question. Well, Pastor Justin, how do I know if I am cooperating with the Holy Spirit? How do I know if I'm living the born-again life? Here's how you know. Because in your life, you'll start, ex- you'll start experiencing love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You'll start seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life when you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. So how do you know if you're growing in God? How do you know if you're growing in the faith? How do you know if you're walking the path that God wants you to walk? Or if you're out of bounds? How do you know? Do you love more than you've ever loved? Are you more joyful than you've ever been? Are you more gentle? Are you more kind? Do you have more self-control? What about long-suffering? Is that better in your life? Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? Like you'll see a difference in those things in your life. Here's what's frustrating to me, that there are some things that I have seen in my life. I have some fruit of the Spirit that that I longed for, I I longed for. And now I, I see those things in my life and I'm so grateful for that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's not the work of Justin. I just cooperated with what the Holy Spirit wanted to do in my life. But there are still some of those areas I'm like, ooh, Holy Spirit, I need to cooperate a little bit more when it comes to that one. You know, how many feel like that sometimes? Like, oh, there's more cooperation that needs to happen in my life because I ain't there yet. I got to tell you something. Um. Sometimes I don't embrace the self-control that I need to embrace. Do you? How about the kindness that you need to embrace? You know, my wife and I, we were talking about this. We, we have known someone that, very mature Christian. I mean, been a Christian for 30, 40 years plus probably. And, and about two or three times a year, we, we saw it firsthand, not hearsay, but firsthand. They lacked in the kindness area. Like every now and then, it was just like, rawr, rawr. You were like, whoa, what is that? I can tell you what that is. That's them needing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit a little bit more. That's what that is. Because we all fail at that sometimes, don't we? I don't always get it right. But it's the grace of God. It's the power of God that he, he, he does things in us. He produces in us the desire to follow him, to surrender to him. So in the end, again, he gets all of the glory, not you or me. He gets all of it. He gets all of the glory. So I am who I am by the grace of God and by that alone. Are you? And if you're a born-again follower of Christ with all of your heart, you should say, yes, I am what I am by the grace of God. Because we don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace. Let's stand up together. I've done my best teaching you the word of God today. Teaching you how to live a born-again life. 
That's just the starting place. Can I, can I tell you, no matter how old you are in the faith, no matter how many years ago you trusted in Christ as Savior, can I, tell, can, I, can I tell you something? That God is still working in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose in your life. That he's not done with you yet. And so that message of cooperation with the Holy Spirit is something that all of us need to hear. I don't care who you are. Even if you don't know Jesus, you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and give your life to Jesus. If you're new in the faith, you need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You need to grow in the Lord. You need to trust in Christ alone. You need to depend upon Christ alone for salvation. You need to realize when the new desires come, and they will because you've been born again, you'll have new desires. Follow those because they will lead to holiness and righteousness and to the life that God has for you. You need to place yourself in an environment every day, every day of prayer, of praise, and the promises of God. Put yourself there and, and then you'll grow. You'll just start to grow because the environment is right. You need to make some decisions in your life. I'm not going back. I'm all in. I am completely devoted to Christ. And I will passionately pursue him for the rest of my days. And then cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Because he'll guide you. And he does that through his word. The Bible says that, that the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. God's word is truth. And he'll reveal his word to you. Just cooperate with him. And when he says no, the answer is no. And when he says go, the answer is go. And when he says to give, just give. And when he says to talk, talk. And when he says to shut up, shut up. How many know we all need to hear that lesson every now and then? Yeah, me too, everybody, me too. And right now I'm shutting up. All right, so we're going to open up our hands toward heaven. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we need you like never before. I need you like never before. Thank you for giving me life and life to the full. I'm so glad that I've been born again. I've been made new. Lord, I'm asking for your help. In, in my prayer time, in my study time of your word, in, in the times of worship and praise, Lord, I want to grow. I want a super bloom to happen in my life because I want the right environment in which you can do things in me that only you can do. And above all, hear my heart today. Hear our hearts today. Father, we want to cooperate with your Holy Spirit. So lead us in the way everlasting and teach us to say yes to what you're saying yes to and to say no to what you're saying no to and to live lives of full devotion to you. Help us, Lord, we pray. And it's by your grace that we will be changed and are being changed in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Everybody stay right where you are. So that means next Sunday morning you're going to be here. But not only that, some of you are going to come to the 8 o'clock service because you're up anyway. 
because we, we, we need some people to do that. And then next Sunday is Vision Sunday. Don't miss that. And remember, one invitation can change a life. So invite somebody to come with you. Now get out of here, everybody. Have a great day. I love you guys so much. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life. And we would love to continue on that journey with you. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, all you have to do is go to mynsc.org contact. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones who God is using to make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Thank you for watching. We hope you tune in next week.